Welcome back, Immortal X friends. I'm Cody. I'm Riley. And we are here today to talk about Judgment Day, Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, Marvel Comics, big summer event. I really loved it. It was fun. The like the big giant like Venom black thing that just kind of took over the whole world. It was a really cool event, I thought. Um, Riley, I I I think this was the one with all the plant people and Hulkling at the center of it. Just kidding, guys. That was Empire and King in Black. We're talking about Judgment Day, which is a different event. Oh, I think I read the wrong thing. Maybe I should go read it real quick. <laughs> Maybe you should go read it real quick. But real quick would actually take you a while because this was a whopping... I don't even know how it's, many it's issues. Pretty, it was pretty Six. hefty. I mean, if you read everything, then it was probably a solid like 35 <laughs> those, issues those or something. nerds that read everything. Did you read everything? I think I didn't read one tie, two tie-ins. I Are you talking two issues or two like series? <laughs> two of issues. Okay. I think I only didn't read two issues. Wow. Okay. Cool. I think I only didn't read the Avengers Judgment Day tie-in. Okay. And the uh, the Fantastic Four tie-in. Okay. I think I read everything else. All right. Um, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I feel like I got some good insight. Um, Gillen Gillen wrote so much for this. Yeah, he did. Um, the mastermind and the like. The, the true, actual executioner like, yeah. of it like because he also wrote um judgment day was obviously the flagship series but at that same time he was writing immortal mm-hmm. x-men that was going on uh and then he was also writing they called it death to mutants but yeah. that was basically just the eternals side yeah. of, of what was happening mm-hmm. um and really filled in gaps uh, uh so along with like an epilogue issue the the, the omega judgment day omega, omega was basically the end of death to mutants like yeah. it followed all those same threads okay. basically like yeah. on which was if his eternals series i wasn't canceled i mm-hmm. think this would have just been that arc of that okay like what immortal has been so i should preface before we really start getting into like we should probably thoughts. preface on a few things yeah. so i i have not read as much as you have i just read the the main arc the six issues judgment day one through six uh-huh. i read the immortal x-men issues i read the x-men red tie-ins as well and i think i read um I forget exactly what the issue was called, but it was uh, Eve, of, Eve judgment. of Judgment. I read yeah. Eve of Judgment, but any of the Eternal side plus, I know there's Fantastic Four and Amazing Spider Man and Captain I, Marvel. I didn't, I, read, I didn't read Spider Man or Marvel either. Okay, so I've, so I haven't, I haven't read probably more. five issues. Yeah. Okay, yeah, um, yeah, but okay. still was able to get a decent yeah. picture of what this all was. Um, so, do you want to? Uh, I assume if you're listening to this issue, you probably have a general idea of what Judgment Day is or what's going on. But do you want to give a moment I think to so. like, I think... what is Judgment Day? Where is this landing in current Marvel comics? What is this? I think being good podcast hosts that we are, Riley, we should probably explain what Judgment Day is. Uh, so Judgment Day was this summer's big like Marvel crossover event um, with the Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals at the center. Um, and essentially, Druig uh, has become Prime Eternal, and he has decided that mutants are an excess deviation. And so looking to gather all of the other Eternals under his new lead, he decides to take it upon himself to end them. Uh, but on the mutant sides of things, 
uh, Cyclops and his team of X-Men have just revealed to the world that they have resurrection protocols, which humanity has not taken kindly to. So they are more than excited when the Eternals come out and say that they are going to end things. Um, and so it what starts out as a kind of an Eternals uh, versus X-Men war quickly escalates as mutantum and the Avengers and a uh, kind of a rogue faction of Eternals, hint, hint, it's all of the heroes from the movie, uh, decide to team up and create, uh, basically reanimate a dead celestial into a new god um, that can make it so the Eternals will not want to kill the mutants. But that backfires and this new celestial basically says, I am going to judge the earth in 24 hours, both individually and as a whole, um, you have 24 hours to prove that you're worthy or not. And then it spends the next issue judging various Marvel heroes and just random citizens. Um, pretty like without any real rhyme or reason um, and, and giving them the verdict and the heroes have to try to stop this before, especially once they start to realize it might not be tipping in their favor. How'd I do, yeah. Riley? Was that a pretty good Judgment Day synopsis? It was a pretty good synopsis. Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. you did a good I job. Yeah, a nice thank job. you, thank you. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on. There are a lot of characters in this. Um, it's always fun whenever event books come out. I know you and I have talked about this before, but to see like who actually gets a chance to shine. Yeah. Because there's so many characters to pick from. Um, do you have any like MVPs that just stand out right away? Yeah, I uh, first of all, I should say I, I appreciate the fact that some characters that aren't necessarily who you'd think would be the shiny ones yeah. uh, were given a chance to do a lot in this event, which I really appreciate. Um, one of the characters that comes to mind first is Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler's at the top of my list yeah, too. Nightcrawler yeah, Nightcrawler really gets a lot to do in this, and a lot of the a lot of the stuff that he's kind of been going through in the last several years of of x books you know all of his uh everything he's been going through in way of x especially um kind of have a chance to come through in this like you know he's been um kind of starting that new mutant religion he has the spark that he's the champion of uh and a lot of a lot of nightcrawler's personal feeling about everything that's going on is this false god is is going to you know judge the world when he's not you know one that should be in the position to do so um i like that it, it's it's almost like uh it almost feels a little blasphemous to nightcrawler that this uh this celestial is able to do this you know um i really loved the immortal x-men issue where he's just going all over the place and just like he's resurrecting copies and copies of himself because As he tries to save people. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. What an MVP and, in, in a lot of the, the latter half of yeah. the event, especially nightcrawler is up there for sure. On the X-Men side, another one who I think is just a huge MVP for me is Exodus. Yeah. Um, Exodus got a lot of play. Um, he was featured in, in really like the first immortal X-Men, um, book of this crossover. Um, where he got to go into psychic battle, uh, w both metaphorically and physically, um, while kind of reliving some of his past, but also in, 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 in an event centered so much on faith um, and religion and, and like being a zealot. 
um, he really got to shine and, and kind of show a lot of flaws in mm-hmm. what, what was up with, with how he's been feeling. I appreciated the Exodus issue, especially because as someone who is not a longtime comics reader, um, especially, you know, going past the current, like the, the modern Marvel comics, um, Exodus is not a character that I know very well. I don't, yeah. I, I have a general idea of who he was, that he was hanging out with Magneto for a long time while Magneto was still, um, you know, an enemy to the X-Men versus, you know, one of the leaders of this generation kind of thing. Um, I had a general idea of who Exodus was, but I hadn't really been given, um, you know, he'd been in some cool moments in the Krakoan era of, of X-Books, but he hadn't really been given a, a huge, um, I, I, I think backstory isn't the right word because he does have a backstory, but you know, he hadn't been around for a whole lot other than some, some small scenes here and there. Um, so I really appreciated that much of the issue is him talking about coming to apocalypse and some of the things that he kind of battled with when apocalypse is telling him you have to do this and this, and it kind of mm-hmm. makes him question his own faith and um, whether or not that's something that he wants to go ahead with. Um, I appreciated learning about Exodus at the same time yeah. as seeing him be this really awesome, powerful uh, mutant. So um, I really appreciated that issue a lot. It, it not only gave me a bunch of insight to who Exodus was, but it also like really pushed forward that idea of faith that this this event kind of tackles in a big way. On the kind of the the third MVP for me and someone who I am very, very rarely giving MVP status to, but someone who I think this was kind of a this kind of an apology tour for him is uh, is Captain America. Mm. I thought I thought Captain America was very um very sturdy uh, during all of this. I think this was Cap at his best. I think this was Cap making up for a lot of his own kind of sins and prejudices during Avengers versus X-Men. Um, it was kind of like the, the antithesis to that. Mm. He was standing on the mutant islands, helping them from the defenders. He was like actively fighting against uh, the bigotry in the streets of New York and just truly initiating a rallying cry in a way that was cool to see. Um, I am, I'm pretty outspoken as a, like a, not a fan of, of Captain America just just because I think he often finds himself on the opposite sides of the people that I really like. Um, but I thought this was a really solid book for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like out of all of the Avengers, I know Tony Stark is helping build the uh, Celestial, but out of all the Avengers, I feel like he got the most uh, screen time. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing, and of course, you know, in this episode, we're talking full spoilers, full spoilers. of the Avengers. Yep. Um, is that, you know, I feel like a, a huge standout moment in the event as a whole is yeah. as Captain America is is at this low point of feeling like, I, I thought we could do it. I thought we could survive um, and pass judgment and all that stuff that um, Nightcrawler appears and gives him the opportunity to focus everyone's anger and attention at something versus just kind of be you know, looting and rioting and, and running in fear and all the, and all the stuff. 
and Captain America is given the opportunity to sacrifice himself for the ideal of we can survive this, we are better than this, we, um, you know, we are worthy to continue living to the entire world as the, you know, as the powerful mutants of Krakoa are, um, are showing the image to everyone on the planet. Um, so you get the really cool moment of Captain America being able to literally sacrifice himself for these ideals that he's uh, upholding. And then it kind of, in a, in a very cool way, is going to start pushing Krakoa in a new direction as pretty shortly after you get our first resurrection of a non-mutant, um, which is pretty exciting. It's yeah. going to open a door to something new, that was a, a whole pretty... new ethical <laughs> dilemma. That was a pretty big deal. Um, I will say that panel, something that did make me laugh is, uh, you know, it's Captain America because like the shield's coming out, but mm-hmm. it's like, they put the shield in the cocoon with him. Right. <laughs> like that was something that yeah. I definitely had a chuckle at. It's like, they could have like Wolverine's claws that are in there with him, but sure. it's like, yeah, give the naked man his shield. Yeah. Um, so we know who it is. <laughs> so we know who it is. Yeah. Versus <laughs> just the white fist busting out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I, uh, I agree. Um, it, it's been kind of an exciting, so much has changed. I remember the last time I think you and I really talked about this was when, uh, we read the hellfire gala issue and Eve of judgment this, this summer. Mm-hmm. And we're both just like, Whoa, everything is on the table. Yeah. Everyone knows about resurrection. Everyone knows about Moira. Everyone knows about Sinister. Like, there was three, like, whammy events all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, And they kind of felt like this again, where it's like, everyone knows about Resurrection. People can now resurrect. Um, There's a kind of a stinger at the end of this where it's like, Orcus helps Mm -hmm. save the day. There's like a kid walking around with a Nimrod balloon, Mm -hmm. which is just pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, And so it's, I thought this book, and I know you and I talked about this briefly, is like, this book had a lot to say with um, just it's a very topical book in a way that I wasn't expecting. I think just in regards to um, to culture and mm-hmm. hot takes and entitlement, yeah, and, and just like unrighteous righteous anger mm-hmm. at, at other people groups. Um, and I don't think it's ever really solved. Like, I think the messiness of all of that is still there at the end mm-hmm. where it's like, even though they witness judgment, Gillen does this cool mechanic of where he keeps focusing on like six people, yeah. just like six civilians. And you didn't read, um, uh, death to mutants, but he, there's another regular person that's in there too. And in one of my favorite plot lines that I wish was a framing device in like the main series is it's this girl, she's a poet. And she's getting these messages from like another new poet who's like, hey, I really like your work. I haven't, I'm like scared to write my own. Do you have any suggestions? And then this person would come back having read all of her suggestions. And this girl's getting worried that she's being catfished. And the person's still like, I'm really shy, like sharing my own work. But like, do you mind reading it? And then it reveals it's one of the hex, mm-hmm. one of the giant, like colossal eternals who's like psychically messaging this girl and even while it's forced to kill it just wants to read poetry Mm. and it just wants to know art and i thought that was a really cool thing of focusing on like so often in these big events the regular person is left out yeah and having the regular people respond on all different sides and really thinking of like 
what would the political like touchstones what would be some of the like bigoted remarks the more like you know liberal remarks like what would that be like i thought were expressed really well and and not really solved like no yeah. one was no one was good yeah by the end of this i appreciated one of those uh one of the six i believe it's six characters mm-hmm. that kind of get followed through the main series um there's a woman who who pops up a lot and ultimately becomes pretty important as she shares a conversation with captain america when he's at his lowest um is that in one of the first moments that you see her, um, she is standing in the midst of an anti-mutant protest as people have found out that they're able to resurrect themselves, that uh, death is no more for the mutants and that kind of thing. And you learn right from the get-go that she is she's there because she's lost her daughter and she's so heartbroken that her daughter is lost forever while mutants can resurrect themselves on a whim, you know, and even, you know, you know, unknown to her, but they can even make improvements to their body the next for the next time that they get resurrected and stuff. But ultimately you have a moment where she's looking around at some of the things that the protesters have on their signs, um, some of the things that they're chanting, whatever, and it says something along the lines of like, she feels this way, but these people aren't her people either, that kind of thing. And I really like that this book kind of spoke to um, the fact that so many major things that happen in our world are not black and white, that there are so many different angles to everything, um, that people are going through different things. And sometimes there's not an answer that this character is standing in the middle of uh, of an anti-mutant protest or whatever it is, but she's not necessarily feeling the same way that many of the others are feeling there, that um, she doesn't necessarily have this black and white position on mutants and resurrection and stuff like that, but that she's kind of more nuanced with all of her emotions and feelings about everything. And I appreciate the fact that it took that angle versus there always being like a right answer or a wrong answer. Yeah, there's there's an angle that I'm not sure. This is now where it gets into the funny part of all these events where it's like, I don't know if you read some of what I'm about to talk about, but one of my favorite beats throughout all of this was um, Jean Grey deciding if she actually did the right thing by leaving the Quiet Council mm. to start the X-Men and if that could have prevented all this from happening. Ah. Um, and I really thought that that was just kind of a unique thread because so much of what how Duggan in the main X-Men title has been writing Gene and Scott has been truly heroic and really inspiring. Yeah. Like, like with no regards for themselves, they continuously try to do what's right and be these heroes and then putting them in a place where they are now by Scott trying to do what's right and being honest about the resurrection protocols and Jean trying to do what's right and leaving the council, it led to like these protests to begin with. And then it led to the council, like making some judgment calls that potentially led to, you know, a faster end of the world mm-hmm. with like trying to attack the celestial. Right. And even with the knowledge that they had. And I just, I really like that idea of how like, same with Captain America, best intentions, same with like the good eternals trying to build a new god like no you, sometimes these events are based on like misunderstandings or like a, just a really evil force but this yeah. one was truly based on like 
people trying to do the right thing and it not working. And I thought that was a really interesting idea that's yeah. not always present in these things. Sure. Obviously, you still have someone like Druig, who's just an absolute scumbag, mm-hmm. and Uranus, who we haven't even talked about yet. Right. Yeah, but we'll talk about him in a minute. But, like, there was still, like, you know, classic, like, the Eternals are going to fight the X-Men. But it wasn't even that. Like, I know that was kind of the marketing behind it, but that was just kind of the initiating to uh, <laughs> to everything. Cameo by Willow. Cameo the dog. by Willow, who wants not your thing. Now, something that I think was played a major role in this event, like there are many tie-ins as we've already talked about, and you know, I, I hesitate to say that some are more important than others. That's not exactly what I'm going for there. But if we were to talk about there are some issues in this event that are more dramatic in their scope and scale i think we would be remiss to not spend some time talking about x-men red oh man um in in all the things you know you having read more than i in in this event there are some issues of x-men red that are absolutely mind-blowing sucker punch issues um talk a little bit about what your response is to al ewing's x-men red run and how some of these issues worked for you. You and I have been singing X-Men Red's praises since issue one, which we were very excited for Immortal X-Men when that came out. And I think there was a few other books that we may have even been like potentially like, oh, I can't wait for that. Mm -hmm. But X-Men Red, while excited for it, not nearly as prepared as we should have been or could have been for what has transpired with that book. Yeah. Um, Leading up to Judgment Day, it it just kept hitting issue after issue. And I remember yeah. those were the days where I remember you and I like texting or calling each other and saying like, have you read this yet? Please read this before you go to bed. Please let me know when you've read it. Yeah. Um, and it was only amplified with this event. Mm-hmm. Um, so the X-Men Red Books really focused on, uh, so Druig releases Uranus, Thanos' grandpa, um, for an hour and he is the worst of the worst. Uh, he has an arsenal beyond belief that it's still like, some of it's been repurposed, but it's still out there. Um, he releases him for an hour to weaken the Iraqo forces on Mars. Um, and boy, does he. But in the process, Magneto and the rest of the Iraqi um, council steps up to fight him. And Uranus rips <laughs> just rips out Magneto's heart and Magneto keeps himself alive by pumping iron through his body um and goes down swinging as like come on man like that's so sick it's so sick ah. it's so sick and then him and Storm collectively beat the shit out of Uranus um and Magneto like spoiler alert Magneto dies um, and I know Riley and I talked about this in our in our capsule review that we did. Mm-hmm. We we you've you've heard us <laughs> praise this book before, but it's just um, it's amazing, um, and not just in like a badass way, but in like a. So much of this book is focusing on, this, Iraqan culture, of of this these warrior people rising up against an even more evil threat yeah while trying to start a community mm-hmm. and trying to start a culture and it's it was really heartbreaking seeing this shattered mm-hmm. this has now been around for a little over a little over a year comics wise about two years um and just 
the story building and world building and just slowly introducing us to these Araka mutants that are trying to like fit in here and and the places that get attacked are like you know there's artists Mm -hmm. there's people without powers there's children there's all of these things and their culture is still telling them to fight yeah but they're fighting against an evil that they don't understand it is the most unprovoked attack of all and just seeing seeing people continue to fight against it um, and trying to be better is is really solid so if you are not reading x-men red right now please go and read x-men red it is just mind-blowingly awesome um there are so many things that i love about x-men red right now but one of them is that um it really is building this entire new culture on on Araco, on on Mars. You have an entire new sect of mutants that have their own culture and beliefs, and um, and they they refer to their abilities as our mutant weapon instead of our mutant gift. You can see in just that phrasing how they view themselves um, that. Uh, they don't ask for help, that it, it implies that they require assistance rather than they appreciate when someone aids them kind of thing. Um, but they're also like very set in some of their customs and the things that they find acceptable or offensive in their culture. But one thing that's been really cool to read in the latest few X-Men Red issues is that the aftermath of Judgment Day for them is going to be that they question some of their long-standing traditions and their values and are things going to change a little bit? Um, and one of the, the big examples of this is you have Magneto, who is very near death, and Storm using their, their mutant abilities in tandem to take down Uranus. And that working in tandem so closely is such an intimate thing on planet Araco that those people are not used to seeing such a thing happen. Um, and some of the, you know, some of the members of the great ring, the leadership of Araco see that and wonder to themselves if this is the beginning of a new chapter for them, seeing that, you know, there can be something like, mutants working together in tandem there can be some kind of intimacy in this way um and i really love that not only is this book doing a whole bunch of cool stuff with cool mutants that are much different than storm and rogue and professor x and the ones that we're used to but you're getting all these cool characters this entire new culture these ridiculous villains and all of these amazing abilities, but this entire new culture that is existing and has existed for thousands of years. And you get to see how the mutants of Earth and the mutants of Araco are kind of beginning to work together and create this new path forward. And it's super special. I have not, I don't think I've buzzed this hard on a book since House and Powers. This is it's truly been a really an incredible you know as as at the time of recording this there are eight issues of x-men red right now and i think at least five of them have been actual knockout issues um i and i i can't wait to keep reading this book it is so special it's it's extremely special and i just feel like it's it's extremely humble too just in its approach to these characters um, obviously there are there are such 
badass moments of, you know, final pages of Magneto standing, pumping his own blood and looking mm-hmm. over and saying, up next, the hour of Magneto. But like the moments that we also remember and talk about are these conversations, are these conversations between people, are these difference of ideals, are, are um, so much of this Arako culture that we're learning about for, in, in particular, there is this idea of the, uh, what are they, the shadow council, the night council, the night, the night seats of their, of their council of the great ring, um, that are people who are intentionally like low powered mutants that are intentionally not omegas that are people without weapon gifts, um, that they are the ones who are there to keep, to basically keep the government in check, um, and to, to be there when it, when it counts and when it's necessary. And just seeing that idea of like, this warrior nation still is relying on its citizens and what that's going to look like in this rebuilding um, is really exciting. Um, I think that is, that is an extremely exciting thing that's coming out of uh, judgment day. Um, I would say that that's one of the biggest things. Uh, The fact that resurrection is now available to humanity in limited forms, as well as just, that that knowledge is out is a big thing to come out of judgment day mm-hmm. that orcus is now in public attention is a yeah. big thing to come out of judgment day and that the public views them in a positive light when we have known for yeah. a very long time just how nefarious orcus is but now we have to contend with the fact that the general public sees them as possibly a group that does something good there's there are a lot and i i think um it's one of those things where House of X did such a good job of changing the status quo of X-Men and finding new villains for them and just finding the villains within themselves. But I do feel like Judgment Day now, it's like, it's interesting where the otherness of them and the potential threat of mutantdom is now more prominent than ever before to Mm -hmm. to the general public, even after they just risked everything while their own nation was being destroyed. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what is next. Um, I definitely started to feel, um, event fatigue Yeah. just for how long these things tend to last. Cause this has been, man, since June, June, June was <laughs> when the gala started, right? No, no, it was July. Cause I, cause the first issue of this came out at Comic-Con. Okay. So it's, but it's been since July. Yeah. It's, it has been since July that where judgment day was like the only thing. And it's always weird when this happens too, because like uh, the regular X Men books have already moved on, yeah, like like two issues past, mm-hmm. um, and that's exciting stuff that also like you know would love to talk about because we're back at the vault. Oh yeah. Um, but it's also one of those things where once those book comes out, you're like, well, I guess they solved Judgment Day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess these characters make it out alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> after you just saw them dead at the end of issue five. Right. Um. So. I'm very glad the event's over. Um, Gillen still has a lot to do. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very excited. I know an issue of Immortal is out that neither of us have read yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, they've announced uh, Sins of Sinister mm-hmm. um, and changing the titles of a few books, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Immortal X-Men's becoming Immortal X-Men. X-Men Red is becoming uh, Storm and the Brotherhood. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And then oh, there's one more. I forget Legion of X is becoming something else, but it's also, if there were three books that had to be part of like another event and that's it, like 
I'm very glad it's those three. I think so. Especially like I trust Red. I trust I trust Ewing. I trust Gillen. Mm-hmm. Um, in catching up on uh, Cy Spurrier's Legion of X, I like I trust him too. And it feels like all three of them are playing with the same toys. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so even uh, there's a character that was introduced in Legion who has just now joined Red. Mm-hmm. Um, that I was like, oh, cool. That's where I remember her from. Right. And even uh the eye person what's her name ova serato mm-hmm. uh, is also very prominent in legion in a way that i'm like i i think i was just falling asleep every time i was reading legion the first time because yeah. i'm like why have i not read this in months this is good yeah so um so i'm very excited to see what happens next um what are you looking forward to as we move ahead in in x-men well i'm just excited to see where some of the loose plot threads yeah. go i mean Sinister has kind of been a major threat for a while now. In like um, all books. Yeah, yeah, and he's just kind of, for a long time, you know, it, sure, the threat of Orcus is still around. The threat of Nimrod, I hope, is still around. But for a long time, we were feeling that. And I feel like lately, um, for the last year or so, it's kind of been like, sinister is up to stuff and he's kind of just been like under the hood doing a whole bunch of nefarious things and so i'm i'm hoping that sins of sinister starts to bring some of those things to light versus like sins of sinister is just the next big event and it's just it's going to happen in a capsule and then we're going to be past it you know um i'm hoping that what we see next is kind of going to be picking up some of the threads that we've been sitting on for a little while and feel very consequential. Um, you know, of course I'm very much looking forward to, um, to seeing where X-Men Red goes after issue 10. Uh, I believe that it's, it's solicited through issue 10 and then it switches into something else with a new title. Um, but you know, with uh, Immortal X Men has been very cool reading every every issue from a different character's perspective. But we have, um, you know, from the very first few pages of issue one of that, we have a flashback of Destiny and Mystique and uh, and Sinister having a conversation that ends with Sinister foaming at the mouth on the ground. You know, so we have some plot threads that have been uh, that have been laid. We've got a lot of groundwork that's been laid, and I'm not sure exactly when those things are going to get picked up. So I'm I'm hoping that we get some follow through with some of those things versus just more foundation building for later. Yeah, um, we've just been sitting on some things for a while, and I I really hope to see some uh some movement on mm-hmm. some of those things. Once again, very thankful for Judgment Day. Thought it was great. Yeah. Overall, very excited to be moving past it, and I just. I want to be in a place where momentum is continuing to go forward, yeah. not really spinning our wheels. And I feel like it's happening. I feel like if the past few issues of Duggan's X-Men mm-hmm. are any indicator, he's ready to move. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to pick up Immortal and see what's going on there. But I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping... I'm hoping Gillen's still ready to move. Ewing clearly is. Yeah. And, and so I just... I feel like that makes me excited because some of the threads that now um, that Duggan is pulling on right now, that Ewing is pulling on, these are like these are Hickman year one threads, right? That are now coming back in full force. Yeah, and, and that's how fun really it exciting. is when they really when they show up. You know, um, you know, I I hate to I hate to call somebody out or anything like that, but I mean, 
Man, it, it feels like two years ago I, I read an issue of, I think, X-Force where we find that Colossus has been compromised or something and we still haven't gotten any follow-through with that. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things where, like, I appreciate when you lay the groundwork and then return to it and it's really exciting when, you, oh, my gosh, I forgot about this. I'm super excited. But it feels like sometimes some of these things kind of get get lost and you know eventually oh god that was 40 issues ago i i had even forgotten that that was a thing or i i had almost begun to wonder if the author had forgotten that that was a thing you know so i i want to see some of the momentum push forward and and um it's I, I guess I I just find myself a little bit scared yeah. that judgment day and sins of sinister are so close Too together close, i agree i i think it's really hard coming off of something like invincible also which you and i read last year around this time yeah that was, uh, yeah, that was about a year ago Riley, because i was reading that during thanksgiving break mm -hmm. um where you can see the long form and it must have been miserable while those issues were coming out mm -hmm. but i'm i'm curious especially like like i have a backlog of x-force issues that i'm sitting on like wanting to read because i i do i i am interested to see how low beast goes i am interested to see what russia wants to do with krakoa but it's like it's it's hard waiting for that every week or every month really right and yeah. and i i kind of agree with you that i feel like i hadn't felt that way with i never felt that way with red because it was still very tight mm -hmm. but like with immortal and with gillen's work i was like oh, i know i know this is going to be great and i and i got the privilege of reading judgment day all in like one sitting this past weekend and that was really good but i'm ready for some momentum yeah so, i agree yeah but I mean, judgment day was super fun. super fun i really enjoyed it um i i agree i enjoyed it i enjoyed it the first read through but I enjoyed it more being able to sit down with it in full and just top to bottom the issues that I had that I had purchased for myself. Um, so I'm excited to keep reading these to see where it goes next. You know, um, the event is over, but Gillen is still, you know, taking Immortal X-Men. So I'm I'm excited to see where he takes us now, you know? Yeah, I agree. So on that note... Um, Thank you for listening to us, Judge Judgment Day, um, and we will be back soon. Thanks for listening. Read, Read comics. comics. Bye.